Imagine if you could sit down at your desk in the morning, piping hot coffee in hand, you could pop open your laptop, double click on a document on your desktop that says life plan, so you could check on what's happening this week, this month, or even this year. Well, I wanna help you create that plan. Let's spend five days together making a roadmap for your future so that you can live all the rest of your days on purpose. Yes, you can own the future that's coming your way. The five-day Own Your Future Challenge is absolutely free to join, and I've got a spot with your name on it. Don't let another week, month, year, or even decade pass you by without owning the vision for who you want to become and the impact you want to make while you're alive. This is five free days of learning from incredible world leaders, helping you to uncover who you truly are and leading you to craft a roadmap and set goals aligned with the future meant for you. This is important. Join me and other amazing global leaders and experts to help you own your future starting May 11th. You can join right now for free at jennaschallenge.com. That's jennaschallenge.com for the five-day Own Your Future Challenge. I can't wait to see you there. You're listening to The Gold Digger Podcast, episode number 81. Today's show is called Workflows, Client Experience, Inspiration, Oh My. And today I am answering your biggest questions that you wrote in with. I absolutely love hearing from you, the listeners, and I get to do that inside of our private Facebook community. Exclusive, right? Like, you're waiting to join. So head to the golddiggerpodcast.com. There is a spot for you to click on so that you can join the community where I am hanging out every single day and you can have the opportunity to have your question answered on the show. Today, we're diving into some really fun things all about how I schedule out my workflow, prioritize projects, treat my clients well, and where I go to get inspired. Some of my answers just might surprise you. So without further ado, Let's dive on into today's show. You're listening to the Gold Digger Podcast with Jenna Kutcher, the live workshop style business podcast for creative girl bosses. So you can train from the experts how to dig in, do the work, and tackle your goals along the way. Here's your host, photographer, educator, artist, and mac and cheese lover, Jenna Kutcher. Guess what? I know you. You want to know something I know about you? You're not a huge fan of sponsors and ads on your favorite shows. You probably hit that little button to skip through them so that you can get to the point of the episode. And trust me, friend, I get it. That's why I'm doing something a little outlandish and I am dropping all of our sponsors for the Gold Digger podcast. Call me radical, call me crazy, but I set out to make a show that was filled with free education that our industries were lacking and I am jumping back into alignment with that vision. So this show is brought to you by our totally free guide, which is five easy ways to grow your email list. You can grab it for free at www.jkemaillist.com. That's right. A guide that's going to get you started, help you understand why email lists matter and teach you to know exactly what to send. My biggest business regret is not starting an email list sooner. So this episode is dedicated to not letting you make the same mistake. Head to www.jkemaillist.com and get growing that list of yours today. Now, what do you say? Let's hop into today's show. Here we go. 
Hey, hey, gold diggers, it is Jenna Kutcher, and we are back for another episode of Ask Jenna Anything. Now, these episodes are just so much fun for me because I feel like I get to just chat with you, and let me be honest in telling you that recording solo shows is so hard because I'm legitimately hanging out with myself, speaking into a microphone, pretending like I am the next Oprah, and nobody is laughing or crying or smiling next to me, and it makes it so hard sometimes. So these Ask Jenna Anything episodes are so much fun, and the truth is is that on social media and through email, we get asked questions every single day, and while most of them would not make sense to have enough content for an entire show, having shows like this where I can actually answer your questions, the listeners, and get to address some of the things that you've been asking about, man, it is just so fun. It's like a total girl day. You're invited. I'm invited. We're both here. Let's do this. So the first question comes from Annie McCarty. She says, a real question, where aware do you shop? I'm shaped like you and can never find clothes that make me look as fab as you always do. Well, that's super sweet, Annie. You are talking to the girl who right now is sitting in yesterday's yoga pants. And last night when we went to bed, Drew was like, uh, did you shower today? And I said, no, I haven't showered in three days. So when it comes to clothes, I actually only wear real clothes usually like once a week. That's kind of my limit. But my favorite yoga pants are Airy. Oh my gosh, you guys, they make the best pants. They also make amazing bras and undies and swimsuits. So I'm a huge, huge, huge lover of Airy and I do love Lululemon yoga pants. I'm sorry. I know they are expensive, but I have pairs that have lasted me since college, which let's not even go back in the vault for how long ago that was. But yes, the other places I love to shop is Shop Ashley Lemieux. Ashley Lemieux was on the podcast. She's the founder of The Shine Project and that girl has incredible taste for dresses. So I love getting dresses from her. And then a few other places. I really love ASOS, A-S-O-S because they have free return shipping, which is amazing. So I will order like a boatload of stuff and then send stuff back. But I am looking at getting back into a capsule wardrobe for the fall because I've just gotten so much stuff and I'm ready to just clear the clutter. And having a capsule wardrobe where you basically have I think it's like 20 to 30 pieces and you mix and match and you're super intentional with what you're purchasing and how you're pairing things together. Man, that's my jam. So Annie, let me know if you have any more questions, but I hope that answers your question. Most days you can find me in yoga pants and a t-shirt and a sports bra. And I'm not even going to answer the question if I wear underwear all the time or not. The answer is no. All right. Jennifer Maris says, do you recall the moment that you had the courage to leave corporate America to pursue your entrepreneurial dream? I'd love to hear more. I am a high school teacher and often wonder what life is like without the demands and craziness. So first things first, I just want to say like kudos to you for being a teacher. While I am an educator of sorts, I cannot imagine being in high school these days. It terrifies the crap out of me. I don't necessarily think I had a specific moment moment where I was like, all right, this is it. I'm putting in my notice and I'm done. Now, a lot of people don't know the actual story of how I left Target, but what happened is 
I was working crazy hours. We were pretty much mandatory 10 hour days. And a lot of times it is 11 or 12 hour days. And right before I was getting ready to leave, I had booked up a ton of jobs for the upcoming year. I was feeling more confident. I started getting really bad foot pain and I have had terrible issues with my ankles. I was in a cast six times in one year, my senior year of high school. So I started to freak out because I was having really bad foot pain. I went to the doctor and they're like, you have to have emergency surgery. You need some screws and a plate in your foot. And I freaked out because this was supposed to happen right before I left Target. And so what was amazing about everything is that I had the surgeon like rush the surgery so that I was able to be home on leave before I exited. And so I don't think that you know, there's ever a time where you're like, I am ready. I think that a lot of times it is like jumping off a ledge and praying that your parachute opens. And one of the things that really helped me that I've shared a lot about is that I needed the security of knowing that I had enough jobs to get as close to matching my income or matching it as possible. That the financial thing was the hard part for me is just like proving my worth through those finances, which is something I've totally struggled with. But I was never like, all right, I'm ready. Let's do this. It was more like, okay, I've laid the best foundation I possibly could have laid. And I reminded myself, like, what is failure? And at that point, failure was having to go back to this corporate job. And I'm like, it's not really failure. Like, no one's going to blame you if you come back two years from now and you're like, hey, I had this dream. I gave it my all. It just didn't happen. I'm ready to be back and back in the office. So, Jennifer, I just urge you to listen to your gut, set yourself up for success as best as you can. And man, like living and working for yourself is just a really beautiful, beautiful thing. And I do not take it for granted. The next question comes from a fella listener, John Mansfield. Hey, John, thanks for tuning in. And he says, I love building relationships with my couples and keeping those long after I've turned over their wedding photos. I send them a little anniversary card every year. What are some other great ways to keep those relationships going? Thanks so much. Love the podcast. Hey, John, thank you for listening. There are a handful of men out there that listen, maybe more than I even think, and I appreciate y'all so much. And whenever I say girls, just, you know, transition it into men because you guys are awesome. So I pride myself on actually keeping really strong relationships with my couples as well. And obviously there are some that you click with more than others, but it would not be weird for me to text pretty much any of my couples that I've shot in the past, which at this rate is 130 couples. So a ton, a ton of beautiful love stories that I've been able to capture. A few different ways to keep in touch is one of the coolest things that I can urge you to do to make part of your workflow and something I need to even get better about as well is when you are posting like let's say sneak peeks of their wedding night or posting previews from their wedding schedule out a post right away for six months from now a year from now whatever that looks like that's like congratulations it's your one year anniversary or however they'll let you schedule those posts out I think one of the most powerful things is just reminding them like hey I know your day is over but I haven't forgotten about you I value you so much and one of the hardest parts about being a wedding photographer is you are a part of the most incredible day it's so emotional you fall in love with your couples and their families and their friends and even as I was walking out of my last wedding 
I was like, I am so sad. If I never get to see these people again, I'm going to be heartbroken because it's such an intimate job. Other things we do, we send Christmas cards if I'm on top of my game. Even just sending like little $10 Starbucks gift cards and say like, hey, it's been a year since your wedding day. Like go out for coffee and just reflect on the last year of your lives. It doesn't necessarily have to be monetary. I do have an email list for past clients where I'll just kind of send them like updates or things that were working on or ask for testimonials or things like that, making sure that I'm still serving them with maybe marriage advice after the wedding day. So John, I hope that that answers your question. Get creative, have fun with it. Your couples value you anyways. And I am not above like texting my couples just say, Hey, I'm thinking of you or checking in on you or whatever that looks like. Okay, Genesee says, how do you inspire yourself or motivate yourself when you're going through a creative block? So Jenna, one of the things that I have really just been trying to put into my life, especially as we've navigated through all this fertility stuff, is different ways to remove stress because I feel like stress is my biggest creative block. When I feel overwhelmed, I often feel uninspired. And so looking at ways that I can create and eliminate the overwhelm so that I can get back to a creative spot, man, that has been so helpful. So a few things that I've been doing personally in my life is plugging my phone in downstairs before bed and going upstairs and reading a book. So no screen time before bed. I know a lot of people talk about it, but it really is life-changing because how many of us wake up in the morning and the first thing we do is grab our phones before we snuggle, before we kiss each other good morning, before we pet our dog. We're on our phones and that is totally taking control of your day, whether or not you're acknowledging that. So I like to try and wake up without a phone and go on a walk. So we've been doing a lot of dog walking these days. I've been trying to remove that stress. So just getting some fresh air has been really helpful. The other thing that I do a lot that I think a lot of entrepreneurs don't do is that I create a cycle within my business. So I shoot six months out of the year. Then I work on business stuff six months out of the year. I'm always working on multiple projects. So some days I might feel uninspired in one area of my business, but totally inspired in another. Another. And so creating some sort of structure that can be very resilient and adapted based on how you're feeling is super helpful. And then lastly, this can go one way or the other. I either totally like log off of all social media and just try to really like look within of like what's inspiring me, what's exciting me, or I hop onto social media and see if anything just triggers inspiration and challenges me to like, how can I create my own spin on this? So you know, creative blocks definitely happen, but I think that nowadays I just have so much on my plate where I don't have a lot of time to have creative blocks. So I am just creating content and following my whole rule of done is better than perfect. And I can always go back and make it even better afterwards. Sarah Fitzpatrick says, what does your client experience look like? How do you make them feel special? Do you provide amazing surprise gifts? How do you become their friend? So this is an awesome question. And I think that client experience is one place where a lot of entrepreneurs struggle. But I also think it is a place that a lot of us feel guilt. So I first want to direct you back to creating unforgettable client experiences, which is episode number 42 with Bonnie Bakhtiari. She's an amazing friend of mine. And we talk a lot about how we can offer great experiences, not just through gifting, but through our communication, through our brand, through the way that we are offering this experience to our clients in the way that we're educating them. And so 
I truly believe on great client experience and having an expanded team this year, we've really had to look at like, how is every client getting the different touch points, which for us looks a ton like different templates and emails and just making sure that our clients know like, Hey, you are our priority. You can reach out. We try to do gifts and stuff like that, but I always, I'm so bad at that stuff, guys. Like you don't understand. I am terrible at even like getting things in the mail. I hate the mail. That's why I love like the internet. And so I think too, you know, I try to protect my phone number as much as I can, but I am all in like the week of the wedding. I give them my phone number and I'm like, if you need anything, text me anytime I am here. And then I love then after the event to text them sneak peeks so they don't have to log into their email. And that kind of creates that friendship relationship. The other piece of that puzzle is that Keeping anything like contracts and invoicing, keeping all of that online so that it's not a part of your relationship with clients. And I talk about that in the episode all about how to set expectations. And so that episode walks you through how to create a relationship while you're still running a business. And it's really hard. So that's episode number 25. It's how to set expectations with clients. That one has tons of good information on how to become their friend and how to make it mutually awesome relationship. Okay. Stephanie Catherine says, you have been so open about your life, body image, marriage, angel babies, and so much more. How do you handle the haters? How do you prioritize Drew and marriage when you are a crazy boss lady? And how the heck did you do that before the staff? And how do you turn the recent hardships into motivation? Man, so many good questions, Stephanie. So a lot of people will talk about how open I am about my life. And I absolutely am because I don't look at people as followers. I see you guys as friends, truthfully. Like that's how I have to run it in order to stay really true at the core of my being. Okay. So when it comes to haters, I got them. Oh my gosh. I totally have them, but they are few and far in between. And it used to keep me up at night. I'm not going to lie. Like when I would get really bad messages or really negative comments, I've been called fat. I've been called fake. I've been swore at, you know, I've been told that I'm not a Christian. I've been, I've been through the ringer a few times, but nowadays I'm like, if I, first off, I feel like with all the stuff that we've been through, especially this last year, I'm like in energy preservation mode. (laughs) I don't have a lot of energy these days and we're working on it. And so if I give my energy to those people, then I am saying that their single opinion is worth more than my opinion of myself and the opinion of the people that do love me. And so handling the haters has gotten so much easier because of my lack of energy, because I just can't give them that power. Like I have the power in my life. And the truth is, is that with every one negative comment, there are at least a hundred positive ones. And I want to affirm the people who are leaving the good ones and let go of the people who are leaving the negative ones. And the funniest thing is, is a lot of times I'm just tempted to delete the bad ones, but then my followers will come to my defense and I don't even need to do that. So that's a beautiful thing about creating a true community. And I just want to like stay true to myself in that second part of your question was, how do you prioritize Drew in marriage when you are a crazy lady boss? So I mean, I'm not the girl that wrote the book on being a good wife. That is for certain. But it's been just a really, really blessed journey. And we are going on six years of marriage, which is awesome. And we've been together, I think, almost 
10 years, nine years. I don't even know anymore. I lose track, but we have really been just trying to find our groove as a couple and it looks very different than the standard relationship. So as I'm recording this right now, Drew is downstairs making me lunch, which is gluten-free and he went and took my car to get my oil changed yesterday and he does a lot of the grocery shopping and the cleaning and he serves our lives in such big ways that might feel insignificant or small, but like those are the ways that allow me to do what I'm doing. And he also is running his own business, which is incredible. So, you know, there have definitely been seasons of my life where I have nothing that resembles balance. And the funny thing is, is it's usually not out of necessity. It's out of desire. Like I love what I do. Like I could work every single day of the week for 10 hours a day. And I probably wouldn't hate it because I love what I do. And so for me, finding balance is more be like turning off the passion for that and turning on the passion in other areas of my life. And so we really try to like have fun together. We work out together. We walk the dogs together. We have like silly TV shows that we watch together. And then when we travel together, I really, really try to just shut off work as much as I can. And then your last part of your question is how do you turn the recent hardships into motivation? You know, I think that a lot of times in life we are tempted to become the victim and I just can't be victimized anymore. Like we have all gone through some really hard stuff. You, me, everyone that's listening, I know it. I know it. We all have these hard stories and I'm choosing to not let the hardships be my story. It's a part of the story, but it is not the full story. And so, you know, a lot of times when my personal life is really hard or I feel out of control, I really grip onto control in my business and it's healthy for me. It might not be healthy for other people, but you know, learning how to process that and just being really gentle with yourself and offering grace to yourself. I mean, I'm going through so many changes right now in terms of my health to hopefully provide a safe place for a baby to grow in the future. And, you know, it's hard, like it's so hard and I don't deny that at all. But, you know, I just think turn your mess into your message and really allow that to inspire other people and let people know like you're real, like you have bad days and you have good days. But if anything, like sharing your story just makes it so much more valid and makes the hard stuff worth it a little bit more. So Rachel Word says, what is your number one tip to maximize productivity? I feel like I am constantly racing to keep up with no real organization in my work days. Do you schedule certain tasks for certain days? So you kind of answered your question, Rachel. Batch working is going to change your life and it is still something that I'm resistant to even though I know it provides the best results. So what batch working looks like is for me, Mondays is editing a wedding. There is nothing else on my plate except for editing blogging, slideshowing my wedding. That is a Monday. Tuesdays is a podcast prep day. We are outlining different episodes, contacting future guests, setting up interviews, doing all that kind of stuff. Wednesday is usually a recording day. Thursday is a day to work on my courses and freebies and different email opt-ins. And then Friday is a day to make sure everything in the inbox is cleared out before the weekend. We work on different sponsorships, partnerships, interviews, different features, things like that. So when we look at batch working, there is just something that is so awesome about it because right now I have a million tabs open online and all I find myself doing is clicking from Facebook to my email to my Pinterest, whatever that looks like. And it's not productive at all. 
And so when I am in content creation mode, I shut my Wi-Fi off. I turn my phone on airplane and I get to work and I do not get up until it's done. And so a lot of times we convince ourselves like, hey, I got to do a lot of research on this. or I got to look at 10 different articles on this and it only overwhelms us. And so I always encourage people to start their project with what they do know without looking at anything else. And then you can fill in the blanks with other stuff. But batch working, man, like it can change the name of your game and it just provides clarity within your week knowing that you have certain time allotted for all the things and that if you can just focus on getting those things done. My team every day says these are the top three priorities for my day and we have to start with one, move on to two once one is done, move on to three once two is done. So you cannot move on to a new task until the first one is finished. And we have found that a lot of times we'll get through our top three before lunchtime, leaving our afternoons open. So When you can say, these are my three things I have to get done today in order to have an efficient, effective, proficient day, like then you just knock those three babies out. You can't do anything else but those three things. Man, you're going to feel a lot better at the end of the day. Hey, hey, Jenna here. Sorry to jump in, but I wanted to pop back with a dose of encouragement and a little extra something something for you. You probably keep hearing top marketers say, it is all in the list. It's all in the list. And you're wondering what list they are talking about. Surely it cannot be your to-do list because that's a mile long. They are talking about email lists and rightfully so. Email marketing is the number one way I drive profits in my business. And to celebrate that simple little fact, I created a totally free guide, five easy ways to grow your email list. And you, my friend, you can get your hands on it at www.jkemaillist.com. Again, hop over to jkemaillist.com, get your guide and more resources all devoted to growing that email list of yours. Jennifer Brown says, I listen to your podcast religiously and I wonder what you listen to. So Jennifer Brown, Stanley girl. So here's the bad news and the good news. So we moved into a town of 12,000 and inside our town, I legitimately do not have to drive anywhere. And so a lot of times I don't get to listen to podcasts like I used to when I was driving every day to the gym or whatever that looked like, which is a blessing because I'm literally walking everywhere. So I actually don't listen to very many shows religiously, but when I go on road trips, I do a few different things. So a lot of times I'll go into iTunes and I'll search for for a topic. So if there's a certain topic I want to learn, I will listen to any episodes on that. A few of my favorite shows, Chris Harder for the love of money, Lewis Howes, he's my mastermind leader. I love his The School of Greatness. Chris's wife Lori Harder has a podcast. I'm trying to think of what else. I love Amy Porterfield, Online Marketing Made Easy. I love Creative Empire. And then I love shows like S Town and Serial. Like those are the ones I listen to on long drives. I listen to to, is it Richard Simmons? Missing Richard Simmons? I don't know. Whatever. I love those like mystery ones that keep you going because that makes a long drive totally worth it. But Drew and I started walking the dogs. So we'll walk them for like a mile and a half each day and then we'll each listen to a show. So it probably looks like we're super antisocial as a couple, but that's the only time we have to listen to our podcasts and whatever works, right? (laughs) Chelsea Nelson says, what are some suggested ranges on what you should spend on client gifts? Are percentage ranges good guidelines so you can build it into your pricing, 10%, 20%? 
So this is going to be super specific to any entrepreneur. And honestly, you just have to do what's right for you. There are different resources. We had Teak and Twine on the podcast. She makes custom gifts for clients. But you just need to make sure that as you're setting up your pricing, I have a profitable pricing guide that we'll link to in the show notes that you know exactly what you're charging, what you're making. And if you can just work whatever it is that you want to spend on client gifts into your pricing, then you're going to be fine. So some people will spend $100. Some people will spend $10 and send them a gift card. I don't think that client gifts are as important as y'all are making them out to be. I think it's a really cool gesture and really, really sweet. But I think if you can give your clients an awesome experience through the way you're communicating through your brand and through the way that you are working with them from start to finish, I don't think that client gifts are going to make or break you. So Use a profitable pricing guide. It's linked in the show notes for this show. You can find them at golddiggerpodcast.com. And, you know, just grab that, figure out what you're willing to spend, what you want to spend in order to send something off that feels good for you. And don't let that be something that you make feel like it's going to make or break you because it's not. Leah Ardoin says, I'm a wedding photographer currently serving and absolutely loving clients with smaller budgets. In order to actually make a profit from my work, I need to expand to a different market. How can a relatively new photographer begin working with more high-end clients? So, I went through this as well, Leah, and I think it's wonderful. Like, just because somebody has a smaller budget does not mean they're less of a person. I mean, when I got married, we had pretty much no budget to speak of. So I have transitioned my ideal clients over the years. And what it looks like is being super specific about what your website looks like, what it says, who it's speaking to, and what you're showing on it. So a lot of times when we're first starting out, I remember picking one photo from every single wedding because I didn't want any clients to feel left out on my website. That's awesome. And that's a really sweet gesture. But your website is your storefront. It is your place to attract clients. And so instead of attracting more clients like you're already working with, you have to curate the crap out of your website and the way that you're speaking online so that you can start addressing new people. And a lot of times when we're starting out, we charge too little. That will repel people that do have higher budgets because they're going to say, well, why is she so cheap? Is she not good? And so I definitely raise my prices throughout the years, which automatically is going to attract and repel the different clients that you're speaking of. But at the same point, like you want your website to be so clear as to who it is that you're working with through your words and images. And so when I created my new website over a year ago, I chose three weddings and three engagement sessions, even though I've shot well over 150. And that doesn't mean that those were the best, most beautiful things. It was just more specific to my ideal clients. So one was an elopement on the beach in San Francisco. One was a garden party, which was a smaller, more intimate wedding. You know, so you got to look and say, what is it that I want to shoot? How do I want to shoot that? And then you have to share that and communicate that so clearly on your site that you will easily be able to jump up. Kazia Hall says, what is your revenue breakdown and how do you decide what to focus on in regards to growth in sales? So my revenue breakdown would look, gosh, well, first things first, I'm trying to think of how to explain this in a way because 
I'm not 100% sure on this, so I don't want to give you a false answer. But basically, I would say my wedding revenue and my photography revenue has been six figures for the last three years. My courses have done incredibly well. We did over a million dollars in sales last year. So you can see that's almost 10 times as much as my wedding revenue. And we also make income off of things like sponsorships, which is another portion of it. And then lastly, we have our condo now, which is another portion of it. So my biggest thing is not just looking at like the breakdown of what to focus on, but first off, like look at your passions. Like what are you passionate about? Number two is figuring out how you can delegate the things that you don't necessarily enjoy so you can focus more on the things that set you on fire because those are likely the things that only you can do. So while we have never made this much money that we're making currently, I've also never spent this much money. So building out a team, hiring more people, getting more contractors, outsourcing way more. And so when I look at growth in sales, I'm not necessarily just using that and saying, well, I'm making way more money in education. So screw photography because no, that's not my passion. That's not the way, that's not the way I set this whole thing up. And so I'm looking at both passion because that's one of my motivators, but time. Time is my biggest motivator. And I've talked about this in the episode with Shanna Skidmore. So money isn't my biggest motivator. It's how I'm spending my time. And I want to spend my time being the most passionate, most alive human being that I can. So that's where I focus on. And I also look at my audience and say, what do they need? What are they struggling with? What do I know that I can teach them? That's how we figure out what to do with these podcast episodes, how we figure out how to create new courses. The second part of your question, Kazia, is how do you tell test products and sales. So I don't know really how you test sales, uh, obviously looking at the numbers, but testing products is basically starting with your email opt-ins. Check and try out different opt-ins. See if your audience takes action. See what their feedback is. Ask questions. Pull your audience and listen to the results. Don't just pull them and ask questions you think you should, but pull them with questions that are going to yield results that'll tell you what you need to do. But also create products that you are excited about because if you're excited about that passion is going to connect with them. That's going to get people excited. So while my revenue is definitely all over the place based on the season, based on what we're launching, based on what I'm working on or focusing on, it is definitely the measure of time that matters the most to me and how I'm spending my time the best, both serving the world, serving my audience, serving my wedding clients and serving my heart. So I hope that answers your question. Lane says, oh, I have so many questions. I would love to know what you do to make action plans or to goal set. You talk about action plans a lot, but I still need help. Walk us through how you isolate the goal and isolate steps to take. So when I talk about action plans, like I literally have a Google Drive gallery vault of the different projects we're working on. And I will sit down and go step by step through what needs to happen in order. So A, B, C, D, E, F, G, you know, blah, 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 because there's a million things to get done. But then I set deadlines. And if there's a way to outsource them, I tag who is responsible for it. So when it comes to course launches, I'm working with about five different people and I have deadlines. I have timing. I have what I need to do when I need it to get it to the contractors, what they need to do, who they need to pass along to when it's done. So I will sit down and I will say, okay, two months from now, I'm doing this. What do I need to be doing today in order to make that happen in two months? So 
I will take the big goal and I will break it down. What needs to happen in order to achieve X, Y, and Z? And usually it's a million little things. So either getting those little things off your plate or tackling them all in one chunk, that's exactly what we do. But my team and I, we communicate. We use Slack every single day, which is basically just like text messaging back and forth using your computer. And we are always in constant communication working towards a bigger goal. But if you don't take the time to map those bigger goals out, how is anyone going to work towards that, right? And then your second part, Lane, is my biggest question is how on earth do you decide what to do next and prioritize your ideas? I brainstorm potential future ideas all the time, but never know which ones to tackle for my business. So you have to look at things, Lane, like a CEO. I mean, like you need to know the answer to this question. You have to prioritize your ideas based on your time that you can commit to them, based on when you're passionate, based on when you can have support and help in those ideas. You have to sit down and say, what is most important to me right now? When can I be accountable to have this done? How am I going to deliver it or put that offer out into the world? And in the meantime, how can I serve my audience until that offer is ready? So... I like to sit down and map out the entire year. That's right. I have this entire year mapped out. That is the only way that I can wrap my mind around the millions of projects that we're doing and make sure that I'm not taking or biting off too much and also to make sure that my team is ready for when those next big things happen. So first things first, you have to sit down and say, at the end of the year, what needs to happen for me to feel like a success? And then break that down and then break that down and break that down. And so you have to prioritize, like first off, what is adding the most value for your audience? Two, what is adding the most income for your business? And three, what is adding the most passion in your life? Like those are the things that you got to really use to measure that and look at what motivates you and put that at the forefront of everything. Carrie Mulhern says, how do you stay organized? Do you have a master calendar? Do you have a rolling to-do list? So kind of spoken about already in this episode is, so we use a few different tools. So we use Slack for my team so that we can communicate and say, here's my big three for the day. Here's what I'm working on today, which just helps everyone stay prioritized. And we kind of know where everyone else is working. We do use a master calendar in the sense of like, I have a Google calendar, which Caitlin uses to schedule things out for me to look at the year at the glance. And then at the beginning of the year, I say, this is when I'm launching this, 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 and this. So we already have planned out launches for courses that we hadn't even built yet. But I knew like, hey, I set a deadline. I stick to it. I have never once pushed a deadline because I didn't get stuff done. I work very well under deadlines. Lastly, I do a thing called a brain dump, which has been really helpful in just clearing my head at the end of the day or at the end of the week. So I will sit down and make a Google Drive file, like a Google Doc, and I will just write down anything that is on my brain, literally anything, whether it is I need to make a dentist appointment or I need to get that email done or I need to create that freebie or I need to blog that wedding. And I will just write down everything that is clouding my mind that is really crushing my creativity and I will send it to my entire team. And then people will comment or tag, hey, I can help you with this or hey, I did this yesterday or hey, let's tackle this together next week. And even if not, I just feel better having it all in one spot so that I know like, hey, I can reference this a week from now and see where I'm at with things and if I'm still really far behind. So brain dumps are very effective, especially if you're feeling overwhelmed. I love to just write down a big brain dump and then set deadlines or write down when or who is going to achieve those things so that I can get them off of my brain. 
We had two more questions. Alexis Rigaldo says, Hi, Jenna. I know you've mentioned that you read or listen to lots of books about business and marketing. I'd love to hear some recommendations. Hey, Alexis. So first things first, full disclosure, I have just taken a breather on business books so that I can just read for fun again. Because a lot of times I was finding like one, business books are sometimes really hard to read just because they feel super dry. But two, reading used to be so fun. And when I was reading all work stuff, it like wasn't as fun anymore. So I want to really just give myself the brain and the headspace. And so I've taken a little breather from my reading and what I've been wanting to read. So I've been reading some really fun books that are just for fun. But the five favorite books that I have in terms of business are Purple Cow by Seth Godin. Amazing book. It's been around for a while, but it's awesome that it helps you to really own you and your brand and what makes you unique. I love Present Over Perfect by Shauna Nequist. Just such an amazing book about how we can get wrapped up in success, profits, exposure, Instagram, inboxes, whatever, and just to not let that stuff define us. I love Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. It's one that I try to like skim through and just take up little tidbits every once in a while. Super great book. I love The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. A really powerful tool that reminds you that it's not too late to start dreaming big. And it really just gives you that kick in the pants to get out and chase your goals. And then lastly, I love Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. I think it's an amazing book. It's all about just looking at your ideas and knowing what to chase and the creative process as a whole. She's just amazing. So absolutely, Alexis, I hope that those five help you. And I also have a blog post on it. So if you just head to jennacutcherblog.com and type in five books, you'll see that post with all of those that I just mentioned. The last question is from Stephanie Taylor. It says, hi, Jenna, big fan here. Question, what's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Who is it from and why do you think it is so important to hear? Man, I don't screen these questions ahead of time. So... Let me think for one second. The best piece of advice, my gosh, coming up short here. I think that something that I read a long time ago that really, really stuck with me is from Ann Voskamp, and it's in her book. I think her book is called A Thousand Little Things. I could be wrong, but in her book, it talks about the way that we spend our days is, in fact, the way that we spend our lives, and so if you want to have a full life, we have to fill our days with the right things. And I think that that quote just really, really challenges me to think about what I'm doing on a day-to-day basis and not just looking at over the last year, over the last six years or over the last 10 years, I've been able to do these things. But what did I do today that helped get me to a fuller life? Not a fuller bank account, not a fuller Instagram following, but a fuller life. And so again, Ann Voskamp, the way that we spend our lives is in fact the way that we spend our days. If we want to have a full life, we have to fill our days with the right things. And that is not verbatim. That is just my interpretation of that amazing quote. But it has really stuck with me as I look at my day to day and the hustle and that mentality that can sometimes suck the joy out of what we want to be doing. And so... What an amazing, amazing way to remind us to just be present and to enjoy the journey and to really love where we are at. 
So my friends, that wraps us up for this episode of Ask Jenna Anything. I hope that this was super fun. I hope that you enjoyed hearing your questions being answered on the podcast. If you want to ask questions, I first want to just invite you to join our Facebook community, the Gold Digger Podcast Insiders Group. I hang out in that group almost daily. I answer questions within there and I ask you questions that really help inspire future episodes. So if you want to join, there is a link to join our private community. It is exclusive, but you are invited. Head to golddiggerpodcast.com. You can access that community, check out the show notes, get your hands on all the free resources like the profitable pricing guide mentioned in today's episode, and just hang out there online with us as we continue to grow this amazing show. I am so honored and blessed and humbled to be able to serve you and show up in your lives. And I would love to answer your question on the next episode of Ask Jenna Anything. Until next time, Gold Diggers, keep on on digging your biggest goals and know that I am over here cheering you on in my yoga pants. Thanks for listening to Gold Digger. Dive into show notes for this episode and all past episodes at www.golddiggerpodcast.com. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. You gold digging dream chaser you.